0: Welcome back for another episode of Views from the Peak, a mini series created and published by The Peak Church, located here in Apex, North Carolina. Here in season two, we've been sitting down with members of our own congregation who have experienced something really challenging to their faith, something that made them contemplate quitting on God altogether. But the whole goal of this conversation series is to give you and I access to the raw honesty of what it's like to go through the dark valleys of faith. and Furthermore, to hear about where and when they experienced God's grace showing up in some of the most unlikely of places. On this episode of Views from the Peak, we sit down with longtime church member, Mike McGuinn. Mike is married to Cindy and he is the father to Jacob. But late last year, Mike received the shocking news that he's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. In this episode, we sit down and explore what it's like to go through days, even weeks, of being paralyzed with fear, with the only thought consuming your mind being that of your own mortality. However, this story is also about how powerful it is when the community of God shows up and gives someone the strength to carry on. We hope you enjoy. All right, friends, well, welcome back for another episode of Views from the Peak. Uh, Ever since we uh, moved into 2022, we've been sitting down every single month with members of our congregation who have really, really powerful stories to share and uh, stories particularly about deep, dark valleys of faith that they've been through and as they've exited the other side. Uh, what they can share with us, what can they tell us about where and how they've encountered uh, the grace of God. And so today, I'm really, really excited that we're sitting down with one of my longtime friends and longtime members of The Peak, Mike McGuinn. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. I was thinking earlier, so we're going to get into it uh, in a moment, uh, why you're here and the story you're going to share. Mm-hmm. But I want to start on this story because it's so awesome. That my er, I was thinking earlier today about my earliest memories of you. And always my earliest memories of you are the earliest memories of the peak because you've been here longer than I have. <laughs> and yeah. um, I remember when I first started the peak, when I first started the peak, one of the things that I was trying to do to meet people and to like meet people in the community was, uh, so I played soccer. And so I was like, let's, I'm going to start a peak soccer team and I'm going to invite anyone from the church who wants to be on it, to be on it. And (laughs) the soccer team was an oddball collection of people who played soccer like me and just people who are like, maybe they never played soccer, but they enjoyed athletics and they really, really enjoyed the friendship and the fellowship which of the two were you? <laughs>
1: so, so I was kind of, kind of, sort of both, because I played soccer one season as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was a football kid growing up, and I decided to skip one fall and play soccer, and
0: realized that never they didn't again let
1: me, they didn't let me hit people. <laughs> So this probably wasn't the sport for me.
0: For those of you who haven't met Mike, Mike is a pretty stocky dude, pretty big dude. And uh, so that was like, that. but you were like kind of one of our weapons. And seriously, we will not talk about this too much longer, but the funniest story, one of the funniest stories I have, one of the most memorable moments I have is it was our first game of the year. It's our first game of the year. And you scored our very first goal. And it was like, not just like, just like this sort of easy goal. Like it was like someone passed the ball across the middle to you. You're running up and you're easily 18 yards away and you don't even stop it. You just first time it just one time toe bash it upper corner into the goal. And I run over to you. And the only thing I remember was being really excited and then being flat on the ground. <laughs> Cause he just like ran me over <laughs> Ah, It was like one of the most beautiful moments. The funniest part of that was, I remember
1: before that happened, it it feels like one of those crazy moments for me. Like, it's come on, it's church league soccer, but um, I said, I was standing, like you said, about 18 away, and I was like, if that ball comes to me, (laughs) I'm just going to kick the crap out of it and (laughs) see what happens. And it went well. And it, I mean, mm. I didn't even know this, but I think somebody mentioned that like they were talking about it later. They were like, it was a side netter. I didn't even know what that meant.
0: <laughs> Is that a good thing? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I share, I share that story for no reasons. I share that story because number one, it'll always be a memory for me of like one of my earliest <clears throat> sort of moments here at this church where I was like, Oh my gosh, I love these people. And I love what we're doing here together. And I also tell that story because I also think one of the things I like about that story is it typifies something that you and I talk about all the time, which is one of your biggest callings in life. And one of your biggest callings in life you have felt a strong passion towards is discipling dudes, like being in an intentional and vulnerable relationship with uh, other guys who are working through life, they're working through jobs, they're working through family. And they're working through faith. Now, before we get into all that, I want to back up. I want to back up because that wasn't always your story. That wasn't always part of who you were, part of who you are. So, uh, again, we're going to talk about the particular season, the particular dark valley uh, of faith that uh, you have had and you still currently are navigating. But... I want to share, I want, you, I want us to hear a little bit more of your, your lead up and how you even came to faith in the first place. Because you're not one of those people who was born and raised, always a believer, always in Bible study, always in church. So tell us that story.
1: So that story, I credit the peak for my faith. Ultimately, the peak is what kind of got me over the edge. That said, um, as I've thought about it over these last, I think, 10 years, since I finally realized that I needed a relationship with God in order to to live the life that I want to live, is that this was uh, was being led up through my life growing up. I grew up in a house that, I'll call it believed, Um, and we were quote unquote Catholics. Um, and we were the Catholics that went to church on Christmas and we probably didn't even go Easter most of the time. So it wasn't like a, anything where, where I, um, was had this foundation, right? Like, and so, um, but when I got married to Cindy, um, she did have a bit of a foundation. Um, and I'll back up just a second because one of those moments where I didn't even realize that I was praying at the time. But I said to myself, one day I said, you know what? I need to meet a good Christian girl. You are how old at this point? Uh, Twenty. Five ish. Okay. Okay. Um. And and I. The weird thing is, I said that, and I met Cindy two weeks later. And that, to me, has always been kind of like the the beginning, <laughs> right?
0: Like it was the first time I prayed, and I didn't even know I was praying. <laughs> right. Like, I didn't. I didn't even realize.
1: I didn't even realize that I was asking God a question or for a favor, so to speak. Um, but, um, it's funny. Cindy sent me a song today, texted me a song and she said, you're going to love this song. It's a song that's been out. It seems like eight years. I think it's called promises and it talks this guy talks about how he just finally said, "I, I gotta say sorry to God. And he said, sorry to God. And what God did was he sent an angel to me and he was talking about his wife. And I'm telling you, that was like, that's my story here. Um, because she's an angel, not just because she has to deal with me, but because she lives and breathes the things that we, we preach. I mean, she really does really, really like, we'll get into God's love and all this, conversation later, but she, she's the first person that showed me what God's love was. And, uh, but moving forward, I said, this woman is just so good that I'm just going to, she wants to go to church. Well, I'm going to be the good husband and I'm going to sit there with her and I'm going to hold her hand. I even might sing the songs with her. Um, But I'm hightailing
0: out of there if the Cowboys are playing. Right, like,
1: (laughs) it's Sunday morning, and I'm not an early riser, so I'm not going to the early service, (laughs) right? So we got to go. But um, so we had just stopped going to church. Jake was just a couple years old at the time, and Cindy, being who she is, she's like, we got to find a church that fits us. And so, um, we came to the peak, she found it online. We came to the peak and from the day we came here, I felt something weird.
0: Like something in the environment, like was shifting or feeling like inside of you or like external to you inside of me. Hmm. Um,
1: one of the major things was. We were on our way home that first day and we hear Jake, I mean, he's two and he's singing something. And so I'm like, turn the radio down. I want to hear this. He's singing, Jesus loves me. And I was like, wait a minute. The previous place we were at, they literally just said here, watch our kid, have some toys, have fun here. It was different. Something was just. Different, and so um, I found myself a couple couple times in starting to pay attention the the other kind of the the point where I finally realized I am a man of God now like i'm'm I'm, bo- I'm a I'm, believer I'm, right? in on, I'm in on this thing yeah was Cindy and Jacob woke up one morning and they both kind of had the sniffles. And they were like, we're just going to stay home. We're not going to go to church today. Um, and I looked at Cindy and I said, I'm going to go. And if you could have seen the shock on her face, (laughs) (laughs) I can still picture that to this day, the shock that she had when I said that. Um, and, but she's like, Oh, okay, go, go, go. You know, (laughs) um, But it was, what I've come to learn was the relationships um, and the community that gets built there. And we'll get into that too later, I'm
0: sure. Hmm. Um, But Well, and I think like why I wanted to spend some time with that story is simply because I think, number one, I think there are going to be people who are listening to this episode for whom that is currently their story. So maybe they're kind of in that sort of space of like, yeah, like, I mean, I go, and, like, faith is kind of, like, it's my, my wife's thing, it's my it's my husband's thing, it's their thing, I'm just kind of around, Um just to, like, I don't know, when you, I feel like when you're in that spot, when you're in that phase, uh it's just good to know that, like, you're not the only one in this church that's been there, like, and I think that's one of the things I try, I think we try at the Peak to Cultivate, which is a space where, We hope that when you step, and I think this is what church should be. On our best day, church should be a space where you can walk, jog, or run. Walk, jog, or run. So if you're like, Mm -hmm. yo, I'm like kind of here. Like I got some friends here and like I want to see them. Like you're there to walk. You're there to walk. Mm -hmm. But some people are there and they're ready to jog. They're like, hey, like, and that's kind of like that, maybe what that moment was with a shift for you. was like, I think I'm ready to jog. Like I think I want to run after a little bit more of what this life that Jesus Mm -hmm. is calling me to do. And then uh, places and opportunities to sprint, which we have also uh, seen you in those. Like uh, So those of you who've been around our church long enough to know, I mean, you've, you've most likely seen Mike before because Mike has held leadership. Uh, he's been on our leadership team. He has led our uh, men's Bible study uh, for several years, uh, was an active member and leader of a small group. I mean, we can go all the way down the list. Like, I feel like I've seen you at every type of mission and ministry. That our church offers, which to me is kind of like the, a beautiful, a beautiful symbol of like kind of what, not only what church can be on our best day, um, but also like just seeing, I mean, even, even in my time here, I've seen uh, you move from like, I think when I first met you, you were already jogging, but then I got to witness you move to a sprinter, not Usain Bolt, but <laughs> right, right it's just been beautiful and inspiring to watch. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, this,
1: the fact that this church has done for me, what it's done. I've always felt the, the call to, um, I guess, give back to that. Right. Like, um, I, I mean, I had so much fun with the kids on Sunday mornings and I enjoyed the time on the leadership. Um, the men's group we did was great, um, and so it's—it was just kind of you know, and I, and it feels like I fell into every one of it. Uh, the funniest story about the kids, like leading the kids classes, is that when I first started, I signed up to be a leader of a class, and I thought I was signing Jacob for the class. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No <laughs> no 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 no! no. I'm dropping my child and off was, here. <laughs> no, no emb- sir. Come on, put a lanyard and on. I
1: was too embarrassed to admit that that's what I had done, so I just
0: showed up. <laughs> well, and I, and again, so like and I think this is, that's also another reason I wanted to share that is because I think like some of those highlights are some of the. And again we get to get to an entirely different podcast on uh what you have what God has done in you and what God has shown you um in the in that era in that season what God did through you in a lot of those kids lives youth lives okay. uh, men's lives um but again the whole so the, the gist of this podcast is like we're trying to sort of uh give one another the gift of solidarity. We're trying to give one another the gift of solidarity. The gift of Not feeling so unbelievably and paralyzingly, I don't think that's a word, but alone. Alone when you're going through some of the dark valleys of faith. And Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about the specific one I want to get into today. But like you also were not a stranger to hardship. You were like before, you know, before this, uh, you weren't a stranger to to loss. I I met you shortly after you lost your mom. And Mm -hmm. I know that 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 was one of the most painful and yeah. is still one of those painful parts mm-hmm. of your story,
1: yeah, she was my best friend. um I had a real, real strong relationship with her um and I kind of credit the strength that I have to her, like you know she was a single mom raising two rambunctious boys um and she kept us in line.
0: Um, and Saint is the word that we right? in the church like, use for that. <laughs> I mean,
1: my, you know, like you said, I'm a big, kind of a big husky guy. Um, my brother is actually bigger than me. My mom was this five foot two nothing person. But boy, she had us in line when she said something, we listened. Hmm. And so, yeah, the relationship that that, that I had with her um, is why I am the man I am today mm. um, and so yeah there's there's that was really tough um losing her mm. um, and, and we'll get into what what I'm here and and I tell you uh, there's moments where mm. I just would love to pick up the phone and say hey mom I'm scared
0: let's go ahead, let's go ahead and go there so let's go ahead and go there so um give us the so you gave us kind of a little bit of the lead up of like how you came to faith and how faith became an instrumental and central part of your your life so um the story you're going to tell us today is one that uh has been going on and also and is and is still going on but where would you start it so where would you start it so like, give us a little bit of the lead up so like how did you find so today we're going to talk about the, the deep dark valleys of going through a difficult health diagnosis, Mm -hmm. a a health challenge. And so like, give us the lead up back all the way up. What things were going on? What were you noticing? Did you have specific symptoms that all led up to again, what you're going to share with us?
1: Yeah. So, um, probably about a year ago, I started experiencing um, stomach aches on a daily basis. Um, and I kind of figured I had an ulcer. I had a, you know, stressful job at the time. The job was, it was a lot of pressure. And so I was like, of course I have an ulcer, because why wouldn't I? This job's tough. And um, kind of went through a team rebuild at work and, and so it was went to the doctor and they thought the same thing it's an ulcer
0: well, and and you got the events of the world going on like there's so many yeah. things you can be like this is stress. yeah it's... yeah the
1: pandemic was interesting for me because I'm a diabetic and so my immediate thought was if I get COVID I'm going to die
0: hmm.
1: um, and luckily as far as I know to this day I've never gotten COVID but um, but I was afraid that the, just that it was a death sentence for me, because um, I gained some weight during COVID, um, which may or may not have had to do with some of those early snacks when I started
0: working from home. I was about to say, who didn't? Who didn't get a little
1: All of a sudden, the food was a lot closer to where I was working. <laughs> COVID cows. Right. COVID calories. <laughs> but, yeah, so it, I mean, I had some fear, obviously, and then, um but I had this stomach issues and and I went to the doctor, the doctor thought, um, ulcer. And so they were like, okay, here, take, go take this over the counter medicine for a month and you'll probably be fine. And a month later I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. Um, and then went back to the doctor and tried on much stronger one, same thing, didn't work. So he finally sent me to a GI and, um, the GI she's like everything you're explaining says ulcer it has to be an ulcer so she ordered a um, endoscopy she reminded me that I'm old now so I had to get a (laughs) colonoscopy and then I have to do an ultrasound those are the three things this is how we're going to find some way shape or form we'll figure out what's in there
0: So you finally get it scheduled September 23rd Mm -hmm. and you go. Okay. Yeah. So, um,
1: I had to have that scheduled and then, um, do the appointment. They test for a specific kind of ulcer that met all of the symptoms I have. And I came back negative. Um, and then I had an ultrasound. I think the next day and anybody that's dealt with my chart stuff at this point understands that a lot of them will just send you updates as results come in and i mean they did all these all this blood work testing for all kinds of stuff Um, pancreatitis all kinds of different things and i just kept getting these results back and I'm no medical professional, so I have no
0: clue what I'm reading. And if I read it, you're going to try to Google it and then, yeah. Well, a lot of it, like
1: one of them, like they tested me for hepatitis B and it was the only one of the hepatitis things that they tested that showed reactive. And I was like,
0: what does that mean? (laughs) Seriously? I have hepatitis now? Like what, what just happened? So after you're saying after the ultrasound, like after you were getting Duke my chart, or like I yeah, Duke my sorry, that's my <laughs> that's fine. It is, um, it is Duke my okay. by the way, but it's like your my chart stuff's coming coming to you with no interpreter at first. Right, right, right. Oh gracious, yeah. And so,
1: um, the ultrasound was the one that that was the the obviously the scariest one because that was the thing that found the problem. And so what they found in the ultrasound was they found some different things. They said there was a coarse spot on my liver and there was something on my lung, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they found a lesion on my pancreas. And so, um, the the GI actually called me that evening and said, yeah, that was obviously a surprise. Um, she thought the pain was actually coming from gallstones, which was found in the ultrasound as well. Um, and so she said, well, we'll, we'll schedule that, but we got to do an endoscopy cause we got
0: to see if the, see if this is cancer or not. So, so that's, so that's on the phone that yes. evening when she calls yes. you and tells you that. Yes.
1: So then they had to be scheduled to go do the endoscopy like two weeks out. Um, and what were those, what were those two weeks like in between? Well, it's funny. They called me the next day and they said, we're going to move it up. And I was like, really? Like, yeah, we're going to move it up. And so we're going to do your CT scan on Saturday. I was like, I didn't know you guys did that stuff on the weekends. Like, yeah. And we're going to do your endoscopy on Monday. Um, And so I went in, did the CT scan, um, and then did the endoscopy on, on, um, that Monday and the doctor who did the, the surgery, the procedure, um, called me that that evening and told me, um, that it was malignant. And so, boom I have cancer probably the toughest thing I've ever heard in my life Um, and so it was a lot of fear Um, and I you know I was in the car with my wife and kid and and it just was like I just was kind of silent after Um, it was interesting because I kind of knew that it was because it just felt like it was I don't know if that was just me negative thinking at the time I don't know but um, it wasn't all that surprising when she said the words but it still kind of smacks you in the face
0: so you're in the car riding with your family Mm -hmm. when you get this phone call from the doctor telling you this what happens next? Well, I, at that, I had already had a. uh, sorry. Sorry. What happens next? Meaning like, um, how did you, so I assume you didn't just hang up the phone and then just relay this out to every, like, or did you, or like, what, how did, so what happened? So you're, did you wait till you got home or like, how did you, I mean, we'll start. How did you tell your wife? Um, I just calmly said it
1: in the car. Um, we had already talked to Jake and, and told him, like, he said, listen, dad might have cancer. When um, did this conversation happen? This was like... This was eerily enough in the car five minutes before the phone call. And we were like, you know, we got to tell him. Gotta let him know. And so we told him and we were like, listen, this doesn't mean, you know, that dad's dying or anything like that. And he was he was pretty silent. Um he just
0: kinda took it in. Um and so Did he ask any questions or nah. have just sort of it was nah. most of it happening at under the surface doing some I internal think so. presses? I yeah. think
1: so. There was a moment where it kind of unloaded on them. Hmm. Um,
0: um, which was literally a couple of days later. So you get the call. You hang up. You very calmly relay onto your family. F- five minutes after you had just mm-hmm. had this conversation. Yeah. What was their reaction like in the car?
1: They were both pretty, like, Jake was silent um, and Cindy was like, "Okay, what's next?" Okay,
0: so is that? It, tell me about like so that's so she, Cindy, and this is like this is always it's always interesting because each of us I feel like in crisis mode go into we have different crisis modes, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> Some of us shut down, we're mm-hmm. processing, we need to be in a dark room for several days. Some people move immediately to action mode. So it sounded like Cindy was like, okay, now what's step two? And what's step three? So where where were you? Were you in that same place? Like, okay, let's just go right to next the action, the to-do list, the action steps, or where were you? No,
1: there's an interesting dynamic with Cindy and I that's always been there. And when the other one is struggling with something... The action mode kicks in. So if Cindy's got something she's struggling with, my action mode kicks in. There's moments where we both have like tearful moments. And once we see the other one in the tears, shut it off. And it's always been that way. And so I was... My reaction was pure fear. Um, It felt... Thinking about it now, it felt a little bit selfish because all I was thinking about was, "Am I gonna live or am I gonna die?" I mean, I don't mean that to to kind of degrade myself. I, I mean, that you know, it's probably a legitimate reason to be selfish at that time. Sure, be, I don't. Yeah, I don't you know, think anyone would be right. thinking anything else. But it just um, immediately start thinking about what I'm gonna miss if this really means ultimately that I'm not going to make it right. Like it's, um, so those early days of, of that, I was just kind of numb.
0: Could you escape it at all? Or was it just like, no. was it in your mind all around you? It's all the time is literally all I could think
1: about. Like I literally apologized to my boss. Um, and after that, that whole week I was like, boss, I didn't do anything this week. I didn't, I mean, I didn't even try. Like I, I was there, but I was just like zoned out. Had you told him the news? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I kept him in tune with everything that was going on. And I mean, he knew about the, the stomach issues and um, stuff like that. So it was, um, it wasn't it wasn't all that surprising
0: about it but um so tell tell us more about what so what were those early days and early weeks like so you named a couple things already you said uh, on and off paralyzing fear Mm -hmm. on and off paralyzing fear Um, you also named just sort of like numb to the world not really thinking about work not care not caring about I mean like how could you I mean I think anyone would any anyone could empathize with that yeah Um, what else was that what were those early days early weeks like what kind of conversations were you having in your head what kind of conversations were you having with Cindy with Cindy it was I'd come home from work
1: and just reach to her for a hug and just say I'm scared and then I'd bust out into tears Um, both of us said it at some point like after a couple weeks like we're just like dehydrated from the tears Hmm. There was just a lot of crying Um, it was um, in my head it was just like I just kept asking what what does this mean and, you know, obviously thoughts of death were prominent too. Like it just, all I could think of is, am I going to see my kid graduate?
0: Um, and you, you said you had a moment with Jake. Yeah. That you'll never forget so, it or he'll never forget.
1: Two days after. So, so I guess to preface that I was coaching his baseball team. And um, we had this game, and um, it was an escape for me. I got to spend two hours not worrying about cancer and just worrying about
0: those fourteen boys on the field. This is like one of the few places where that could that could actually happen, right? Where you could just, yeah, get out of that. Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and so we walk out to the field and I just said, boy, I needed that. I remember saying that, boy, I needed that. I needed some normalcy, right? And, um, it helped that we won the game. Um, obviously it was a lot of fun. And then, um, Kevin, my assistant coach says, Mike, I want to pray for you. And we we're in the parking lot. In just this circle of all of us. And it was an absolute sob fest. But he prayed this prayer of, you know, God, please you know, help this cancer, help the healing, all of that. But it was so powerful to me to realize that I've got a community around me that really cares. And, 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 um, and so, um, that moment, what that moment kind of led to is Jake was sobbing too, just crying and crying and crying. And it's weird to say this, but I was so happy to see it. Because I feel like the silence that I talked about before, I think it was kind of put on a tough exterior. And so um, it was nice to see him let it go. Like and, the,
0: it's like the dam finally broke.
1: Right. And we get home and he says to Cindy, I don't know why I'm still crying. And we're like, it's okay. It's not only okay to cry, but it's okay that you don't even know why.
0: So you're sharing you've shared a little bit of what's been going on internally. Mm-hmm. You share a little bit about what's happening in friendships and relationships and again I know we're just scratching the um the surface. I know you've shared with me on other occasions how how powerful it has been to be reminded of the incredible value of community, especially coming out of this season where I feel like a lot of us have felt very isolated and lonely like this is just a powerful testament to what community can be what can yeah. be and so you shared you shared kind of what the journey was like in the first several days weeks months internally with your family right talk to me about your faith so the good i I don't know I'm I'm not going to use the word good I'm just going to say the reality I mean the reality is you've been a person of faith for a number of years leading up into this mm-hmm. moment so you've had some moments already in your faith where you've had to face hardship. You've had to try to learn how to endure. You've had to try to find the peace and presence of God in the midst of loss and grief and pain. But this is a whole other level. It's a whole other ballgame. Right. So how did this impact your faith, your prayer life, your your overall sense of God's presence? Kind of early on, it was
1: a little bit of up and down. There was a lot of YB. Um, And and it took me a little bit to kind of come to terms of that this isn't a punishment. Um, And so, I mean, I still to this day will sometimes wonder, like, what could I have done different to not allow this to happen? Knowing full well that there might not have been something. Um, But yeah, there was a lot of like, why me? You know, I lost my mom to cancer. Now I got to lose, you know, this. Um, And so, you know, what is it? It kind of transitioned in my head to, to the why me, to okay, God, now what? Right. Like, and, um, it's, it was interesting because, um, I got to see a lot of different community, um, action, which drove the strength that I have now to get through this, right? Like, um, whether it be the, the the day that the baseball team showed up with Captain America hats because they wanted to put a shield on for Coach
0: Mike, which is
1: one of the coolest moments I've ever
0: experienced. Which um, the listeners need to understand, uh, that is actually your alter ego. You are actually Captain America. <laughs> right. So um, this is it's that there's a reason for that. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, big Captain America fan. Yeah, What you and I bonded over. Right. So it's it was just But moments like that, sorry, not not to like make that
1: But, that's but the, that moment was powerful. That moment was God's love. That's what's to see that in a bunch of thirteen and fourteen year old kids like that was That was powerful. Um and I told them at the end of the season after they won it all of course which I still am amazed by that um but they I told them after the season that they're just all they did was show me how to fight um and so it's been it's been you know obviously like I said it's an up and down thing and I think it'll always be with with my faith on this um because it's so unfair. Um, and I say that for everybody that's going through cancer right now, like, and especially the ones that, that are the caretakers, um, it's not fair, It's, but it's, you know, it's something that's happened. And um, it's those community moments where, whether it be that moment, on the baseball field or the every third, every other Thursday morning text message that I get from Kim. Um, who's that family I met through baseball. She texts me just to say, I'm praying for you. I know you're about to go through treatment. I'm praying for you. Um, she just ran a half marathon a couple weeks ago and, um, this woman is powerful and she basically designated a person for every mile. And um, if I remember correctly, I was 10th ten, mile and that she was going to pray for me for that mile, right? And um, And so the community that has been built around me, that God put around me, has been what I'm getting strength from. Like it's, I remember early on thinking because people would say, "Oh, Mike, you're so strong. You got this," and I'm like, "Am I in my head? You know, am I am I really?" And and I've come to realize, yeah, I am. Um, but it's because of that. Um, and so it's, I thank God. That, you know, I cer- certainly don't want to thank God for the diagnosis, but I thank God for this community that's given me the strength to fight. Um, obviously, I have plenty of reasons to fight. I've got a beautiful family, and, you know. And then this community that I have around me, like, it's only right that I have to fight for
0: this. Is there anything, are, were there any other things, so like, I mean, Amen to all of that. Again, I think one of the one of the central themes of this discussion is just the power of the power of community, uh, the pa- and why it's so important that we a belong to community and uh, b that we contribute to community because we can really make powerful difference, tangible difference. We can be, this is why we in the church use the language of the hands and feet of Jesus. Like that's what those players were. That's what that coach was. That's what this woman, this runner was to you. What are some, maybe like what's one other thing that you feel like a glimpse of God or a glimpse of God's people or a glimpse into the heart of God? What is is something else you've gained spiritually through this experience that you didn't have before? Um,
1: confidence in my faith.
0: But this gave you like a confidence, not only it gave you a confidence in God, it gave you a confidence maybe in like, dare I say, like it gave you a confidence in humanity that maybe like, I don't know, like, I don't know about you, but the course of the last couple of years, (laughs) I've been starving for some of those reminders of like, dang, like, okay, human beings Okay, we, we still are capable of really good things. Okay, great. Um, but you're saying like one of the other gifts I gave you was a confidence in yourself and a confidence yeah. in your own ability to Yeah to cling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thing. So like it's I mean not long before not long before the diagnosis I started seeing a behavioral specialist slash counselor um because i was struggling to keep my blood sugar levels correct Um, turns out when you have a tumor on the pancreas it doesn't work very well didn't know that at the time and um, one of the early things is that that she said in there um, in those those conversations i've had i had with her was that wow your faith is important to you, and I never really thought about it that way. It's just a part of me, right? And
0: so, like you weren't going out of your way to be like, "I'm going to prove," how, right, like so right. I can show off. Like you were just, yeah, being you.
1: Yeah, and so it was um, interesting to hear that perspective. She just listening and hear, it and she said, "It seems like that's really important to you." And I was like. Well, yeah, (laughs) to me, yeah,
0: it is. And so, um, which is why I think the beginning part of your story is why I wanted to make sure we captured that in this conversation, because like where we started this conversation with where you were, you know, 10, 15 plus years ago with your faith and now Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Like it's yeah. it's amazing. Like it's it's what we talk about all the time in church when we use that big old fancy word, we say, We hope that life transformation happens here. Now it never happens well, I shouldn't say never. Most of the time it happens very slow. It happens right. incrementally. Right. But like this is a beautiful moment to sort of lift up of like, yeah. Like
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah. I used to I used to have a, a pastor who would say, like, I wanna live so much like Jesus that like they can smell him on me. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, but I feel like that was kind of the, ex- yeah. the, the interaction at this doctors or this, uh, with this counselor is like, huh, I yeah. can just smell it on you. Like,
1: this right. is, who, yeah. this is like, like
0: central to who you are. This is who you are. And so it's, um,
1: that's the thing that I guess, I mean, conf- like I said, confidence and like just knowing the just the knowing that, that faith is that important to me. Like, it's, you know, we didn't start coming back to church till, what, a month or two ago? We went Christmas Eve. um, But we didn't come back. And it was, again, it was like that conversation with my wife, and I need it. I need my community again. And so, um, and, and we came back that first Sunday, and... We were here for the early service and we were here so long talking to people that we were almost here for the second service too. (laughs) Because we saw people coming in for the second service. And so, but it was like, and I remember going home saying, wow, did I need that? And so it's, it's just another example of those strengthening moments of, Cause I'll have those moments where I'm like, oh. usually every other Wednesday I'm like, oh, I gotta go tomorrow. This sucks.
0: Hmm.
1: And, um, I mean, I remember having a conversation one Wednesday with, with Kim through text and I, and I, I'd finally got past the whole fake it till you make it. Cause like early on, all I did was pretend that I got this, you know, but early on, I had that. Um, I had that conversation with her, and I said, "I just don't want to. I just don't want to do this. Like it sucks. Like I'm not a lay around kind of person. Like I don't like to sit on the couch on the weekends, and I get cabin fever, which made COVID suck a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so. But this forces me. I have to lay. Like I just gotta I just gotta be on the couch and um, I still will go for walks and do things to keep moving because it helps the energy levels. But um,
0: But I'm glad you said that about the fake it to your make it thing because I think it not only applies to this particular situation and experience, but it applies so much to faith conversations writ large like i think like that is something that disillusions people to church and faith faster than anything this sort of cliche or this sort of like whenever you are going through something really hard you need to demonstrate very little signs of weakness or lack of faith or doubt and i loved how you were just like i just don't want to do that like i just want to like be honest about the fact that this is really hard and I don't think that makes me weak. I actually think that makes me strong. And mm-hmm. I'm actually finding more strength in that yeah. than walking around pretending and posturing all the time. Yeah. And, no, I got it. We're good. No, no fear here. <laughs> yeah. Like, Well, it's
1: interesting because I had a, a, a session with that counselor and right after my first treatment. And man, I was like, I was on fire. I was like, yeah, I got through the first one. You know, I kicked it. So you know what? And like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm strong. I got this. And, and she let me go through the whole thing. And she goes, so, you know, it's okay to be sad, right? And I was like, wait, what? She saw right through it. She saw straight. She saw that I was faking that whole thing. Like, I was like, um, and she's like, you need to remind yourself that it's okay to grieve this.
0: So is that something you would say? Because I, I want to, we got just a little bit of time left. Mm-hmm. I want to, I got a couple questions left. Yeah. Is that something you would say? What would you say? So I'm going to, I'm going to pick, I'm going to give two audio I'm going to give you two audiences. What's something you would say? Because again, the people, there's people listening to this. I don't know if there's a single person listening to this who either has not been directly or indirectly affected by cancer. So Mm -hmm. be that as it may, Mm -hmm. after everything you've gone through, what's one thing you would say to someone who is in the throes of it, like you. Mm -hmm. And what's something you would say to maybe a caretaker, someone who's a spouse, a mom, a yeah. son, right. a friend, and they're, they're trying to walk alongside someone they really love and care about, and they're just as scared. Mm-hmm. And they're also experiencing these beautiful, hopeful, light-filled moments as well. But they're, so what would you say to each of those? So to the...
1: Someone with cancer, I guess, um, is be patient. Um, because typically it's a long road. Um, I'd also say to be careful with your Google searches. Cause I, I got Cindy, somebody sent Cindy a a link to all these stats about pancreatic cancer. And I remember driving, I was, I wasn't driving, I was in my friend's truck at work we were driving to lunch and I read the stat of the five-year survival rate of pancreatic cancer being 8%. And I remember being dead silent at that lunch. It was four of us eating lunch and I was just dead silent because that's all I could think of, 8%, 8%. Um, That said, some of that's because the average pancreatic cancer diagnosis happens to folks in their seventies. So being 46, that changes things, right? My body is able to handle a lot more than, than, than obviously somebody in their seventies. Right. So,
0: but, um, But be careful of doing all of that research because it does the very thing that you're. It's good
1: to read that stuff and understand what you're getting yourself into. Like it's, and that's important. Mm -hmm. But take a lot of it with a grain of salt because the way my body reacts to this is not going to be the same. Even if you find another forty-six-year-old, it's not going to be the same as them. Your body, I mean. The original dose that I got was a slight I think, 85% dose because they wanted to see how the body reacted first. Um, my body's done great. Like They told me this past treatment, they said that most people have to come off of the full doses by treatment 8. Um, next week I'll have treatment 12, and I've had full doses other than that first one every single time. Mm. And they said, your body is handling it
0: like a champ. And so that's why, like, that's that's where those, like, it's the stats and the Google searching and the awareness, yeah. and this goes with anything, I feel like, but definitely towards this particular situation. I, I feel like that that's a word of wisdom writ large, like, right. like just be careful about how much information you are yeah. intaking. Uh, one yeah. of our, uh, so one of our pastors preached an Ash Wednesday service and just said, uh, reminded us of a quote that, like our technology has outpaced what our mental and emotional and spiritual faculties are actually able to process. And so that's just good advice like in general, but definitely for someone facing this particular diagnosis or a difficult scenario Mm -hmm. or di or different diagnosis being aware of that. What's something you would say to
1: the caretakers? Yeah. Family, friends is, I guess partly be patient with with the person dealing with it, but um, I said this to somebody a few weeks ago um, that that it, it just dawned on me like this this feels like it's harder on Cindy than it is on me um, and. and 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 it's it's because of all of the things that she's had to to pick up the slack on. Um, she's done it without much complaining, right? Like it's. She's she's been her and Jake have been absolute rock stars through the whole process. Um, to them, I just just know that. That person wants to do more. Um, They want to do all of the things that they were doing before. Like that's, that's been the most humbling part of this for me is just knowing I can't do everything I did before. Um, And so, so it's, it's just know that they, they
0: want to help more than they are. And I just feel like as you're talking it's like it's almost like uh we just want to say to all of you we see you, right? Cuz it's yeah. the it's almost like whenever these situations occur all the attention's been given to the person diagnosed, which that's where we need to be focused. And mm-hmm. and so it's not either or, it's right. and. Right. And um we see you, family, mm-hmm. friends, you know, sons, daughters, husband's wives, like we see you too and it's mm-hmm. happening to you maybe not in the same exact way but we know it's happening on yeah such a, such a deep yeah, level I mean, too and,
1: and just remember we know that you're struggling we know that and I mean my hope is that everybody that's going through the cancers looks at their caretakers and understand like what they're going through because um, you're all going through it. Yeah, this isn't this isn't Mike's diagnosis. This is Mike Cindy and Jake's diagnosis. Like this is I mean that's such a helpful reminder. Yeah, I mean Jake Jake is every other weekend just bored out of his mind um, because he's at home. We try to find things that he can go do on those and sometimes we're able to do that sometimes we're not um
0: and this is because you've had treatment and so you've got to. so i'm up. you gotta up. lay low yeah I'm laid up and yep. so
1: um and so you know we try to get them, get them to go hang out with friends or whatever um but they're not always available and stuff and so um but it's 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 It makes me happy when I see those moments where he's able to separate. Like, I love it when he gets to separate from it. And that's certainly something that I've learned. Because I I thought, I'm kind of revisiting that, "fake it till you make it. But I thought that I had to be the utmost positive person about this the whole time. That was the only way it was going to work. And it's not the case. Because, I mean, logically, it was not healthy for me to do that I mean I found myself telling people telling friends about the diagnosis and I found myself trying to console them and I'm like that's not my job Um, but it's part of who I am Um, and I'm still probably going to do it to some extent but um, but yeah, it, it, the reminder of it's okay to be sad about this is, is the biggest thing I could give anybody, whether it's the, the patient themselves or the, the caretakers, like it's
0: okay. It's okay. Like it's, and it's more than okay. It's, that's actually, if you can allow yourself to be true and honest to what you're truly feeling and thinking you might actually and this is always the tricky part right the other tricky part is when you put the the only thing about putting on a brave face for everybody is they might believe you Mm -hmm. and if they believe you they might not help Mm. they may not call they may not text and so like this is good advice not only for the the patient but the caretaker as well it's like it's not it's not just like it's okay to be sad like yeah. everyone knows that it's not it's not only okay it actually might just be like life saving like it actually might just be yeah. the very pathway you have to take to access God's peace, love and care that God can only reach you with if you're willing to be open and honest about it yeah. And it brings you closer together, which is actually what you, it's it's the opposite of what you think is going to happen. I would imagine you Mm. imagine, I I can just only imagine myself like, oh, I'm going to hide this. I don't want them to see it because they're the one going through it. So I don't want them to see me sad. And, but in reality, what's happening is because you're having to put up a front or you're having to do something Mm. like that, you're actually not, not on purpose at all, but you're actually putting up something that's keeping you farther from one another. Whereas Mm. like, if you're honest about it, you might. You might experience a deep, deep connection and a Mm -hmm. oneness that that person needs and you desperately need. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Mike, I want to thank you so much for your time, your courage, your vulnerability. Before I let you go, can you give us a little bit of an update as to where you are now? So you shared a little bit your 12 treatments in. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this episode in March of 2022 it mm-hmm. won't be published until April right. but um, so you're 12 treatments in, mm-hmm. how's it going what's next so um, yeah so it's
1: I've said this a bunch of times to people that I talk to, like the, the results have all been positive um, in terms of the cancer markers that they check not quite every treatment but most most treatments they'll check it Um, my cancer markers are currently about 30 percent of where they started Um, so that's a pretty dramatic drop Um, the tumor itself is um, smaller than it started um, and that's the key to beating it Um, one of the unfortunate pieces of pancreatic cancer is it leaves scar tissue and sometimes it won't shrink at all and they, they, they warned me that it might not um, but if it shrinks off of a blood vessel a certain blood vessel that goes from the pancreas to the liver if it does shrink off of that then I might qualify for surgery to have it removed um, which is obviously the the, 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 the long shot goal Um, but it was 5 by 4 centimeters to start and it's the last um, scan that I had which was early February showed that it was 3.8 by 4 doctor warned me that I probably won't qualify for surgery this year if ever Um, and so but they're staying as aggressive as they can stay with the treatment so that maybe it does. Um, So it's, I mean, I'm, I'm trending well in
0: the right direction. You have all of our prayers and our support along the way. Um, Thank you seriously, Mike, so much for your time. And thank you for sharing. I, I know, I know that other people who tune in and listen to this episode will find uh, a lot of Resonance. I think they'll find a lot of commonality, and I hope uh, that they find hope. I hope that, and I think that's one of the things that radiates from you and radiates from your story is uh, the very central theme that we preach in one way or another every single time you step into our church, which is we believe in a God for wherever death looms, resurrection is right beneath the surface. And I give thanks for your witness for that. Thank you so much. Friends, we want to thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Views from the Peak. If someone shared this podcast with you and you're looking to learn more about our church and the ministries of the Peak, simply head over to thepeakchurch.org. And you can also find us on all the social media platforms. Again, thank you for tuning in. Please consider leaving a rating or a review so that we can pay more closely attention to these episodes and how they're meeting the needs of where we are spiritually. Once again, I have been your host, Kyle Meyer. We'll see you next time.